We celebrated Pentecost. We're in the season of Pentecost, of growth. And so we are step by step working our way through the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles of the Holy Spirit. Today we are at chapter 6. And you heard the reading, it begins like this. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Can I talk about this with you? Please be seated. I guess I take that as a yes. I can talk with you about this. I read, you know, problems. There are problems everywhere. I mean, I almost hate to say that because what floods your mind as soon as I say it? But personal problems, problems in the family, problems in the neighborhood, the community, the city, the state, the country, the world. I mean, the list could be long and gratefully, I'm not going to try a list because you know, and so do I, there are many and there are many that we face, you and I, each and every day. Some of our own making and some that are really kind of foisted upon us. And there are a lot of problems that stick with us. It just won't go away. They stick in our minds, they stick in our lives and in our hearts everywhere. The church, too. Problems in the church, can you imagine? Yeah, we can imagine. It's not hard to believe, really. Not if you heard Acts chapter 6 this morning. Complaints, murmurings. You know, that's what the word in its original really means when the people in the early church were complaining. They were murmuring. I love that word. Actually, I hate that word. But it, it communicates, doesn't it? They were murmuring like the people in the Old Testament did that they didn't have enough food. In this case, for the widows who were among them. It's interesting that Luke doesn't try to cover up a problem. He puts it right out there. He understands that's what is, and he doesn't want us to ignore it either. The church, as it grew, found itself with not just one, but a number of problems. And in this case, it was the Jewish Christians, born Jews, become Christians, the Hebraic Jews, if you will, had a conflict with the Greek Jews, those who had converted to the Jewish faith, but had a Greek background, all of whom, all those people had become Christian. And there's a problem. And you know, problems need to be addressed. They need to be looked at and considered, and they need resolution. Resolution is the tough part sometimes, and sometimes it's the part that we don't move toward or don't even want to. But to neglect problems is to feed them. You know, it's to let them, them fester and grow, and that's not the kind of growth we want. Problems, however, present for us in faith something different. Think about this. The flip side of a problem is an opportunity. And that's what faith allows us to see. And that's what the Holy Spirit works in us to understand and address. 
to face such things with faith and with prayer. In Acts chapter 6, the 12 apostles were there. And so were a number of disciples, that is, early followers of Christ. Another way to say Christians, the apostles and those who followed Jesus. And they experienced and recognized a problem. And they began to work toward a solution. They didn't do those things that would ignore it or otherwise uh, downplay it. But however they came to the decision, the Holy Spirit was working, but they ended up saying, this is what we're going to do. The 12 said, we will appoint seven men, seven who will address this issue while we do our work as apostles. They personally couldn't solve it, the 12, but they delegated that responsibility. They did as they prayed and as they commissioned those seven to do that work. Not that it was menial, not that it was unimportant, but the roles were different. Together they were invested in a solution so that the 12 could say, we're going to attend to our service, our service being prayer and the ministry of the word. And part of the ministry of the word was to equip those other people to do ministry to prepare God's people for service. The distinction was there, and it was implemented successfully. Today, we face problems even among us, and we don't want to pretend otherwise. Luke didn't, we shouldn't, Christians don't. Complaining, murmuring isn't going to get us anywhere. But by prayer and by faith, we can get where we need to get. Otherwise, it's wasted energy. Otherwise, it's energy directed in the wrong kind of way. And here's the thing. When such problems exist, often, as they did here, present opportunities, and in a very specific way, opportunities for service for serving each other. And as we we think about that and live with that, we need to understand and remember there are two different roles in all of this as God's people. There were the 12, which I suppose in some ways could be parallel to us pastors. We who have a specific role in working with problems, understanding them and treating them as opportunities. And you understand that. And this is very timely. It's timely as we look for another pastor. Pastors aren't to be overly involved in the day-to-day, the particulars of the organization, so to speak, of a congregation of of a Christian church. It's not their job to be sweeping the floors, to be doing all kinds of things like trying to balance the books or... Uh, sweeping here and there, shoveling snow, cutting the grass, those kinds of things. Pastors are called, like the 12, to attend to prayer and the service of the word. And you folks realize that. You know, not everybody does. 
But St. Michael Congregations understands that calling of a pastor, a, a pastor who is to devote himself to the ministry of the word and to prayer. And you understand and have provided for others, both staff and yourself, to serve, to support, to use those other things that need to be done as opportunities for God's work to be done, for the Spirit to work in and through. The pastor's focus is really summarized in 1 Peter. Do you see that passage? The shepherds of God's, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving. That's the key word. Pastors, too, are called to serve, but to serve in their role. And then there is your role. Your role, which is part of the pastor's role to equip you to serve by God's grace. I know. I know. To be a servant, that's not the most glamorous thing. It's not the most attracting thing to you or to me. It can, and it sometimes does, seem even menial, like something we would rather do elsewhere, something else, that we would rather find something more glamorous to do, not demeaning. We live in a culture where many times we want to be served. You know, isn't that really what's behind our leisure time? Somebody gives us a good time, our recreation, uh, our uh, vacations. So often even in sports, it's going so that we can feel good, so that somebody can do something good for us, which is really all about me. Gratefully, not everybody. Gratefully, not you and me led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by him. It's a temptation. It's a temptation, I think, illustrated by a story I once heard about a man who was given a tour, a tour of hell and heaven. And making their first stop, he looked and he saw this great, huge pot of stew with people all around. And the people all around had these long spoons tied to their arms, so long that they couldn't feed themselves. As hard as they tried, they couldn't do it. They just couldn't get themselves fed. But the next stop was heaven. And the individual was surprised to see the same kind of pot and the same number of people around with the same kind of spoon tied to their arms, the long one. But what they were doing was feeding each other. They were serving as a glimpse of heaven, as a part of what uh, our faith is really all about, here and now and ultimately. The focus is on others for us who follow Jesus. That's what John wrote in the, the epistle reading you heard this morning, to understand that and to be like Jesus in his serving. That's our calling. And while we're tempted and sometimes fail, we have the opportunity as well as the ability to move beyond that. Romans 7, verse 6, puts it so very well. Um, look at these words and, and take them to heart. We've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit, not in the old way of the written code. You see, 
serving changes for us. It's not a rule. It's not a command that we work out of, out of obligation. That's not the Christian understanding. That's not what happens for us. In the new way of the Spirit, that's how we can serve and do serve. The, the acts of the Holy Spirit then and today. Or you, my brothers and sisters, Paul wrote to the Galatians, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. The new way, the best way to use what God has given us in terms of gifts, to serve other people. And when we try to understand that, we hold up in front of our eyes Jesus. Jesus, who is our model. Do you remember a few moments ago, we read the gospel reading from Matthew chapter 20. James and John, their mom, came to Jesus. She thought she was getting a picture of what Jesus was all about, the kingdom of God. She envisioned a a king like regular rulers, and she wanted her sons to be able to sit on either side of Jesus, exert their power, have people serve them. Jesus redefined his kingship. He defined himself as a servant king, and he put it pointedly, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give, ultimately, his life as a ransom for many. You and I share in that same kind of service. And a noble service it is, because it is the service of Jesus today in us and through us. We have the privilege, it is a privilege, the new way of the Holy Spirit, not out of obligation. Jesus, speaking of Father's Day, was in the service of his heavenly Father. And he didn't see it as a burden. He saw it as we can see our service, as a privilege, as an honor. And Jesus served not just the people who deserved it, not just the people who appreciated it, not just the people who loved him, but even, and maybe even especially, those who didn't like him, who didn't want to receive him. Because that's what service does. That's how it operates. Jesus' life was all about that, whether it was in teaching, whether it was in speaking one-to-one, whether it was healing. He was all about serving even to the point of death. He didn't do it for himself. He did it for people all in history, including me, including you, and all of us. Jesus is our model service. That's our priority too. We, therefore, because we're servants, serve a master in that new way of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. God could get his work done in any way he chose. And he could think of more ways than you or I. God could get the work of serving done in a multitude of ways. But guess what? You know what? He's chosen you. And he's chosen me to serve. What a great calling that is. A calling that we can embrace. Embrace and live lives of significance. You recall, Mary and Martha 
in Jesus' visit for them. Martha was busy serving, even preoccupied with it. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and learned from him. What did Jesus do? He pointed to Mary and said, she's chosen the best. But understand, he didn't deny, he didn't put down the service of Martha. It was just in that circumstance that Mary had made the better choice. Martha's problem was no doubt being preoccupied with it, but her problem was not serving. It was in itself also a good thing. That's what 1 Peter puts it so very pointedly and so very well. I've got it. Let me read it for you and to you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That's our opportunity. Our opportunity. And you know what? You've got opportunity today. Did you get one of these in your bulletin? You're seeing it in front of you on a screen. This is an opportunity for each and every one of us. Uh, We model it as Jesus modeled it for us. We teach it by what we do even more than what we say. And what we can do here is look at these things. We're looking, we're asking for those to serve as Sunday school and nursery and reading Bible lessons and setting things up. And, you know, the best part about this is not only the serving opportunities, but your ability to connect with it. Because through all these things of service, We connect people with Jesus indirectly, directly, in many different kinds of ways. That's why it's so wonderful and so good that recently we just added a position of staff here, a director of belonging, to facilitate this kind of thing, to encourage this kind of thing, to train people like you and me here at St. Michael to be in service and how to do our job. You know, coming here, I I noticed a lot of different things from my experience. And a lot of times at church, you know, at the beginning or the end or somewhere in between, churches make announcements. We don't do that here, do we? What do we call it? You see it? We call them opportunities. I think that's great. Opportunities to serve. That's what we talk about. That's what we present. And just yesterday, our kids came back Uh, from guess what a servant event where we have given them an opportunity they've grabbed an opportunity joyfully to embrace the call of Jesus and to serve and with all of this as great it is as it is we need the strength to do that and guess where that comes the Holy Spirit Jesus served He called us to serve like him. And it's the spirit and it's his age now to free us, to empower us, to do what Jesus has shown us to do. Yeah, we'll need rest along the way. Another subject, but another truth. But the Holy Spirit is the source of love which motivates and which enables. Acts chapter 6 Part of this morning's Bible reading 
puts it very well. Look at what it says. When all was said and done, and the opportunity was given and seized, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. God's word spreads this way as the Spirit works in you and me and through us all. The word of God spreads. People grow. Disciples, believers, followers of our Lord Jesus. That's what happens. Wholeheartedly is what this is getting at. As Ephesians 6 puts it so very well. Look at these words. Take them to heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether it's slave or free. Do you remember the the picture Jesus paints of the final judgment? He talks about those who in faith served, those who clothed the naked, those who provided food for those in need, those who did this and those who did that. And he said, because when you did it, you did it for me, to me, just like Paul wrote in Ephesians. What a privilege that is. What a wonderful dynamic. And the reward is promised. The reward is there. Not that that becomes the reason we serve, but it's the outcome. It's what happens when we do exactly that. So, so let them see Jesus. Connect, let them connect with Jesus as they see you serve in his name. Amen.